Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's make some noise for those watching online. I want to welcome those wherever you're watching from. Uh, we we uh, thankful to the Lord that this week, past week, uh, we got to uh, minister on the Dr. Phil show. Anybody seen that? Amen. The Lord bless us with this great opportunity to reach a couple million people in one shot. And since then, uh, since the show aired all the way first in, New, in you know, the East Coast, it played first in the East Coast before it played in LA or, Cal or the West Coast, but we've been getting calls from people all over the United States, people from New York, people from Florida, people from Missouri, South Carolina. We got an email from somebody from South Carolina got a message from somebody from the deep south couldn't even you know with the deep south and so who knows who's watching let's one, one more time let's welcome those watching online before i get into the word uh, this morning uh, i want to share just a couple things uh so that everybody's on the same page and you know our direction uh as uh, a church uh it is it is our heart in our spirit that during the pandemic to continue to have uh, in-person uh, worship uh, services. That's our heart. Uh, that's, that's our spirit. Uh, we didn't start this, right? We, the church has been worshiping together for 2,000 years. We, haven't, we didn't start it. We, we got saved and we picked up the ball. Right? We picked up the ball and we run in towards the goal line in our generation. Uh, so it is our, our, our spirit, our, our heart is to continue uh, to have uh, uh, in-person uh, uh, worship services uh, as, the Lord, as the Lord wills. What we're asking, and I'm asking, making it public, that if anybody is sick or you don't feel well, uh, worship with us online until you get better. Uh, and if you need extra support, let us know so that we could pray for you and figure out how to support you better. Uh, that's the best way to go about it at this time. Uh, we have added a Zoom worship on Sundays at 7 p.m. For those watching online, uh, I'll be on Zoom. You can get the information on our Facebook page, Chapel of Change Facebook page, but that's just something extra. We're, we're providing options. Someone say options. God, you know God loves you when he gives you options, right? So uh, that, that is our heart, that is our spirit, and this is the challenge of our day. This is the challenge of our day that we have to face. Every generation uh, in this, the history of mankind has faced their challenges. If you lived during the first century, you, we would be fed to lions. Thank God we're not being fed to lions. Someone shout Amen. Right? But every generation of believers have their challenges, and this just happens to be ours. And we're going to seek to press forward in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's so important that you be connected with us, that you join my text group uh, that I send out text messages to at the end of the service. We'll give you that number, or they shared it with you on the video. Or download our phone app. It's so important that you do that because we send messages. We send updates so you know what's going on. The, the key to surviving difficult days is to be flexible. Flexible. Someone say flexible. 
So we got to be able to adjust at any given moment, right? We got to be able to adjust, and we want you aware of what's going on. So make sure you sign up to my text group list or and download our our phone app so that we're able to uh, send you messages on on what we're doing. Someone say praise the Lord. We thank God uh, for the opportunity to worship. We we get to worship the Lord. We get to serve God. We get to study our Bible. We get to pray. It's a privilege to pray. It's a privilege to pray. And even with our difficulties, there's people around the world that got more difficulties than us, even with our difficulties. So I wanted to share that as part of our uh, church family so that you know our heart and our, our direction. Uh, but we're, we're, we're going to adjust week by week and, and kind of read uh, what's going on. Someone shout amen. Everybody understand that? Also, before I get into the word today, um, I do want to acknowledge that this, this week our nation is celebrating the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And I want to, from the pulpit, uh, also honor uh, his legacy and his, his work. Uh, when you when you think about the work of Dr. Martin Luther King, at its core, at its core, he brought down the kingdom of God. He brought down the kingdom of God. Um, every time you bring unity, you bring down the kingdom of God. Every time you break down hatred, you bring down the kingdom of God. And I would suggest to us, as our, as our nation kind of reflects on his legacy and honors his legacy, that at its core, he brought down the kingdom of God. In fact, one of my favorite quotes from Dr. Martin Luther King uh, is when he said, where we see social relationships controlled everywhere by principles which Jesus illustrated in life, trust, love, mercy, in altruism, then we shall know that the kingdom of God is here. One of my favorite uh, quotes from Dr. Martin Luther King. And by the way, uh, I'm indebted to his legacy in so much that my first public speaking experience in the sixth grade uh, was a rendition of Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream uh, speech. So that's where I first got my opportunity uh, to speak in the sixth grade, Town Avenue. The auditorium was filled with people kind of like this, and the Lord was with me. Someone shout amen. So I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, and we're going to be looking at some scriptures, verses 17 uh, through 22. And as you know, if you've been journeying with us these last couple weeks, that our theme for this year is all in. Someone say all in. That's our theme as a church uh, for this year. Now, to be all in is to be sold out for Jesus and his kingdom mission on this earth. To be all in is to be fully committed to Jesus. Someone say fully committed. Uh, the opposite of all in is to, is to be half-stepping. Remember that back in the days, Coach Kenny? Half-stepping. You didn't want to be half-stepping. Ain't no half-stepping. You want to be fully committed. 
You want to be sold out. You want to be all in. And our prayer for you this year is that we are all in for the Lord Jesus Christ. And our prayer is also that we are all in for our church's mission to give fresh hope to this generation. I want to remind you that our mission, Chapel of Change, why we exist is to give the fresh hope of King Jesus and his kingdom to this hurting world. That's our mission. That's why we exist. That's why we're here today. That's why we worship. That's why we serve. That's why we preach. That's why we come to Bible study. That's why we are ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we impact our communities. It's to give the fresh hope of King Jesus and his kingdom to this hurting world. If there's any a generation that is broken, these last 18 months have broken people, have broken down marriages, have broken down minds, and, and the world in no other time in history, feels like they need fresh hope. And we encourage you to be all in as we seek to be used by God to give fresh hope to this generation. Now we're going to look at Matthew's cha Mark, Mark chapter 10, verses 17. And today, in fact, for the next couple weeks, we're going to be examining uh, one of the most shocking encounters that Jesus has with an individual in his earthly ministry. One of the most shocking, if not the most shocking encounter that Jesus has. Let me read verses 17 through 22. It says, Now as he was going out of the road, on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And so Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Hello, somebody. Someone shout amen to that. Honor your father and mother. The Lord was looking out for parents right there. Verse 20. And the young man answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. I find that interesting that he tries to flex on Jesus. He said, I've been doing this since I was a little kid. He don't even know who he's talking to. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him. I love that about Jesus. He could stare into our soul. He could see that we're all messed up. He could see that we're all entangled in our soul and in our mind. And he could still love us. I said he could still love us. He saw that this young rich ruler was entangled in his soul. He saw, he saw that there was something messed up on the inside of this young man. And he doesn't condemn him. He doesn't, he, he, he doesn't condemn him. He doesn't uh, uh, necessarily judge him per se. But uh, the Bible says he loved him. But yet, he told him the truth. Mm, some of y'all missed a good place to say amen. He loved him, yet he told him the truth. Go back to that scripture. It says, Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, 
Sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. Ain't it interesting that, that you could have everything together, but one thing could mess you up? Ain't it interesting that one thing you could have. He said, I've been doing this. I've been following everything since I was a little kid. And Jesus looked at his soul and said, no, no, no. There's one thing. Isn't it funny that one, we could have it all lined up and one, one individual can mess us all up. One bad friend can mess us all up. One bad relationship can mess us all up. One bad word, we just, we just allow ourselves to say what bad, one bad word can mess us all up. Jesus said, one thing you lack. Now, I, I want to clarify that. Um, for this individual in the Bible, he, he had the issue of idolizing his money and he idolized his property. That was his issue. But for you, you may have another issue. I don't want you to tune out and check out and say, well, this guy had a lot of money and I don't have a lot of money, so therefore what Jesus is saying doesn't refer to me. No, no, no. His issue was money, but your issue may be a relationship. Your issue may be something else. Your issue may be a job. Your issue may be a friend. Your issue may be something you built up in your life that you don't want to let go. So don't tune out when it talks about this rich young ruler and try to uh, uh, excuse yourself and walk out the door. No, 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 no. You're, you, you have another issue. We all have issues. We all have issues. Look at verse 22. It's probably the most devastating verse in the entire Bible. Listen to what it says. But he was sad at his, this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions what happened what happened to this brother that he starts off running to jesus throws himself down at jesus but then he ends up walking away sad what happened what's going on what was what, what did jesus do what did jesus reveal what did Jesus point out in this guy's life? How in the world do you walk away from Jesus sad? You ain't supposed to walk away from Jesus sad. You're supposed to walk away from Jesus filled with the Holy Ghost. You're supposed to walk away from Jesus glad, not sad. I, I could understand if you walked away mad because sometimes we get mad at God. Hello, somebody. I think God gives you space to be mad at him sometimes as long as you work it out before the, before the sun sets. But to walk away sad is very, very interesting. What happened that this young man runs to Jesus but ends up walking away sad? I want to suggest to you this is one of the most shocking encounters that Jesus has with anybody in his earthly ministry. And it's shocking on different layers. And in the next couple of weeks, I'm gonna, we're going to examine the different aspects of why this is shocking. But today, I'm just going to bring out a couple things that I really believe is going to kind of open up our eyes. And it, it maybe even shock us too, but it will strengthen our faith as well. This is a shocking encounter from start to finish. From start to finish. It, it starts off shocking because this is a, this is a Jewish man who runs and throws himself to Jesus. A Jewish man who runs and throws himself to Jesus. In this particular culture, Jewish men did not run. 
In this particular culture, Jewish men thought they were too dignified. They thought they were too honorable uh, to sweat and run to somebody. They, they did not run. So this was an embarrassing act by this man. He there was something going on on the inside that led him to embarrass himself in front of everybody. There, there was so much pain in his life that he did not care what everybody else thought. Ain't that what happens when we got pain in our life? We started, well, I don't care what you think about me when I, I got to solve this issue. I got pain. I got, I got some angst in my soul. And you, you start not caring about what other people think. This was an embarrassing act by this, by this rich, young influencer. So it, it, it's shocking because he runs to Jesus, but it's also shocking because of who he is, who he is. Um, typically, you don't run to the Lord when you're on top of your game. Typically, you don't, you don't run to the Lord when you got it all together. This, this guy, he was rich, he was young, he was an influencer. He, he, at this particular time in his life, on the surface, he had it going on. He, he was balling, out of control. And typically, we don't come to Jesus until we're messed up or we're desperate. Someone shout amen. This is not the only person who, run, who runs to Jesus in the Bible. When you think about people who run to Jesus, I think of Mark chapter 5, the demonic oppressed man. Anybody remember him? He was demonically oppressed. He lived in the cemetery. He would cut himself. Nobody could control him. When he saw Jesus, what does he do? He runs to Jesus. I understand that because the brother's messed up. He's all tore up from the floor up. I understand that. When you think of somebody running to Jesus, I think about the woman in Mark chapter 5 with the, with the issue of blood. She has a disease. She's dying slowly. She's socially unclean. She breaks all COVID protocols, touches everybody, runs through the crowd, and throws herself at Jesus. I understand that because she's dying. I understand that because she ran out of money. I understand that because she's socially uh, an, an outcast. But this brother, this brother in Mark chapter 10, on the surface, he has it going on. Are you falling along? He has money. He has influence. He even has morals. He said he'd been keeping the word since he was a little kid. He's not a thief. He's not like Levi. Uh, when Jesus called Levi, Levi was a thief. Levi was a robber. He's not like that. This brother wasn't. This brother make a good Christian if you've seen him. He'll make a good Christian leader. He'll 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 be good on the on the board of the church. But he still throws himself at Jesus. I want to suggest to you that as we study this together for the next couple of weeks, there's something going on invisible that we do not see on the surface. There's something going on behind the scenes. There's something in his soul that's causing him pain. There's, there's something in his soul that's causing him angst uh, in his spirit that is driving him to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we examine that today, as we think about that today, the first thing I want to point out that his testimony teaches us is that everything without Jesus equals nothing. The first thing that his testimony teaches us is that everything without Jesus equals nothing. He had, he had it going on. He, he had everything in life but Jesus, 
and yet he was still messed up on the inside. Are you following along? See, only Jesus completes us and, and satisfies our soul. Everything without Jesus equals nothing. And it's only the Lord Jesus that satisfies our soul. A human relationship is not going to satisfy your soul. A human relationship is not going to complete you. It's not going to complete you. If you're messed up and that other individual is messed up and you come together, you're going to be one more messed up situation. Hello, somebody. You don't know how many people in the course of the almost 10 years that Chapel of Change being, uh, been existence that you don't know how many people I've seen that God has touched and God has given another chance to and God has filled them with, with power and they, they still walk away from the Lord because of a relationship. You, you don't know how many people I see over and over again. I'll be watching. I'll be watching. I'll tell you something else. Money won't satisfy you either. Money won't complete you either. Only Jesus satisfies. Money won't do it. This brother teaches us that. He had, he had money. He had property. He had material things. He had, he had it going on. He teaches us that money does not satisfy you. I remember when I, was, when I first started working when I was in prison, I, I made about 10 cents an hour. Approximately, I think it was about 10 cents an hour. 10 cents an hour. And, and I was balling. That was like, I was balling with that. There was people coveting what I had with 10 cents an hour. And then eventually I rose up to about 15 cents an hour, and I was really balling. But there's always somebody who has more than you because there was a group in another building that was making $4 an hour. And I was coveting after them. And then when I, when I got out of prison, I, I started making uh, $1,800 a month. And I was balling then. I was like, wow, from 10 cents an hour to $1,800 a month, I was balling. I felt like I had it going on. And then, and then by, the, by the grace of God, today uh, I'm able to provide for my family. By the grace of God, I'm able to provide for my family by the grace of God. Now, the reason why I point that out is because I've experienced different levels of prosperity. I've experienced different levels of prosperity. And I have learned, I have learned the more money you get, the more bills you get. Hello, somebody. Come on. This is your chance right now to speak back at me. Just don't act crazy. Right? The more money you get, the more expenses that, that happen. You know why? Because the goal line always moves. The world has a way to always move the goal line. Just right when you're right there, it's going to move. That's why you don't sacrifice your relationship chasing after money. Don't sacrifice your relationship with the Lord. Don't sacrifice serving God chasing after your career. You got to learn how to get your career and serve the Lord at the same time. Because at the end of the day, all you're going to have is your relationship with the Lord. You end up in heaven and all you got is a 401k. <laughs> heaven might tax that. But when you think about it, the whole world is desperately seeking for the person or the thing or the place that will meet their expectations, and their needs, and their wants. And so one of the, the, the prevalent questions of humanity is what will truly satisfy the, the desires of our heart? 
That's the quest and the question of humanity. And as little children, we thought it, it might be uh, the new toy. We thought it might be the new doll. I remember when I was a little kid, I thought it was going to be Atari or Sega Genesis. If I can just get Sega Genesis, I'm going to be all right. I never got it. My neighbor had it, and I was at his house all the time. But it didn't satisfy my soul. When as teenagers, we think it may be uh, athletic accomplishments, or we may think it'd be a, a, our first car that's going to set us free. Hello, somebody. I remember when I got my first car at the age of 16 years old, I got a 1980 white Monte Carlo. I thought I was balling. I went out to lunch and treated myself. I thought I was free as a bird. But even then, that, that did not satisfy my soul. And as adults, we think that maybe if we have more children or if we have a bigger home or if we get a raise, it's going to satisfy our soul. But all that leaves us wanting. And when you think about it, dissatisfaction in life is near the root of every sin in our life. Dissatisfaction in life is near the root of every sin in our life. It's the reason why people cheat on their spouses. It's the reason why people abuse drugs and alcohol. It's the reason why people endlessly scroll down on Facebook and social media searching for a like because of the dissatisfaction in their soul. And it's the reason why the rich young ruler throws himself at Jesus. It's the reason why the rich young ruler throws himself at Jesus because money, power, and influence could not satisfy his soul. He must have heard Jesus teach somewhere. He must have heard Jesus say in John chapter 6, verse 35, he must have heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever thirsts or whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He must have heard Jesus teach that he is the bread of life. But if you come to him, you'll never thirst. See, it's Jesus. It's only Jesus that, that satisfies our soul. It's only Jesus that completes us. If you don't learn to live with Jesus, you're not going to learn to live with anybody else. This rich young ruler must have read the Old Testament. In Psalm chapter 22, verse 26, it says, The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. I was the afflicted at one time. I was the broken at one time. I was the outcast at one time. But I heard the Bible tell me, Come unto me, all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I heard that promise, and I threw myself at the feet of Jesus. Threw myself at the feet of Jesus in a one-man cell in the L.A. County Jail. And I can testify about the goodness of God. Some 30 years later, God has never forsook me. He's never let me down, never broke a promise in some 30 years of serving the Lord. So there's something going on in this rich young ruler's life that is invisible, that we cannot see on the surface. And I want to suggest to us, as we think about that, I want to suggest to us that he is in bondage to the spirit of religion. Now, I want you to wear your thinking cap today because I'm going I'm to teach you some, some deeper revelation today. But he is in bondage to the spirit of religion. And we, see, we get a hint of it in his question in verse 18 when he says, Good teacher, what shall I do 
that I may inherit eternal life. He says, the key phrase that he says, he says, what shall I do? What shall I do? What shall I do? See, he mistakenly thought that he could just add Jesus to his life and be okay. We get hints of it in his, in his, uh, in his uh, dialogue with Jesus. In fact, uh, Matthew records uh, the same situation. And Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, has him saying, uh, Jesus, what do I lack in my life? What do my, I lack in my life? Because he thought if he could just add Jesus to his life, he'll be okay. That's the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion thinks you can earn your salvation, and that's wrong. We learned last week if you watched uh, the teaching on youtube we learned uh, that salvation is not a human achievement this is one of the main reasons why jesus blows this young fella up because he thought maybe he can maybe he could use his influence to get salvation maybe he could just do something to get saved and jesus had to blow his philosophy up are you following along I want to suggest to us that this man was not possessed with a spirit of lust or a spirit of addiction. That's the normal kind of, kind of framework that we have in our mind. No, no, no. He was possessed with a spirit of religion. How in the world do you walk away from Jesus sad? How can you walk away from Jesus sad? Let's think about this for a second. When you think about the spirit of religion, what is the spirit of religion? Let me give you some handles to understand uh, what the spirit of religion is. The, uh, the spirit of religion is, is, is work for God without worship of God. Spirit of religion is work for God without worship of God. The spirit of religion is people without prayer. People without prayer. The spirit of religion is lip service without heart connection to God. It's lip service without heart connection to God. The spirit of religion is knowing the truth without letting the truth transform you. There's something invisible that's going on in this guy's life that is messing him up. He's so close, yet he's so far away. He is so close, yet he's so far away. I suggest to us, he's not possessed with a, with a demon of addiction or a demon of lust or, or, or a disease, but he's possessed with the spirit of religion, and we need to tackle that today. When you think about the spirit of religion, it's work without worship. It's people without prayer. It's lip service without heart connection to God. It's knowing the truth without allowing the truth to transform you. Are you following along? And it's interesting because in every generation of believers, God has always charged certain believers with being guilty of operating in the spirit of religion. In every generation, there's always been a reoccurring indictment from heaven on the believers on earth. And one of the reoccurring charges is operating, being guilty of, operating in the spirit of religion. And over and over throughout the Bible, God, through the prophets, rebuked his people for operating in the spirit of religion. And God, through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 29, he says, These people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is but rules taught by man, men. You see that lip service without heart connection. 
They draw close to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God rebuked his people through the prophet Joel in chapter 2, verse 13. Joel says, tear your hearts and not your garments. Tear your hearts and not your clothes because religion is all about the outward. Religion is all about the showing. Religious is all about the surface, but God doesn't want the surface. He wants your heart. God doesn't want the surface. He wants our heart. And the prophet Joel said, don't come to the altar uh, crying. Don't come to the altar ripping your clothes and putting on a show. He says, no, tear your hearts, not your clothes. When you think about Jesus, when he was in this world, who was Jesus rebuking left and right? Who was Jesus constantly rebuking? It wasn't the overt sinners. It wasn't the demonic oppressed guy who lived in the cemetery. No, he didn't rebuke him. You know who Jesus was rebuking all the time? It was the religious people. It was the religious people. I remember one time Jesus told the crowd, he said, and pointed to the religious people. He said, listen, do what they say, but don't do what they do. That's an insult right there. Do what they say, but don't do what they do. Because they, they agree with the truth, but they don't allow the truth to transform them. Are you following along? See, God, God goes hard in the pain against the spirit of religion. He goes hard in the pain he, uh, against the spirit of religion, and he's constantly rebuking his people for slipping in to the spirit of religion. And I get it. I get it. I, I think I know why. I think I know why. It's because the longer one serves Jesus, the easier it is to operate in the spirit of religion. The longer one serves Jesus, the easier it is to slip into the, uh, the spirit of religion. It's easy to move from relationship to religion and not even know it. We start off with relationship. We start off with passion. We start off with loving the Lord. But this world tries to get us to slip and cross into the line from relationship to religion. And it's so subtle you don't even know that it takes place. When you think about, uh, uh, think about this for a second, I'll use myself uh, as an example. Uh, the, the chances of me going back to the streets and gangbanging at my time in my life that I'm at right now is really not going to happen. The chances of me getting a gun and getting a 40 ounce of eight, malt, eight ball malt liquor, hello somebody, and going on the corner and, and hanging out, right? The chances of that happening is really not going to happen. Hello somebody. Can I get amen? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, Coach Kenny. Okay. But the chances of that happening is, is null and null. But the chances of me slipping into the spirit of religion, that's high. That's high. The longer one serves Jesus, the easier it is to operate in the spirit of religion. But also, the longer one serves Jesus, the easier it is to fake a strong relationship with Jesus. Yeah, it is. The longer one serves Jesus, the easier it is to fake a relationship, a strong relationship from, uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why? Because we all have willpower. We all have willpower. We know how to pick up our Bibles. We know how to go to church. We know how to clap our hands. We know how to say amen. We even sing every once in a while. The longer one serves Jesus, the easier it is to fake a strong relationship uh, uh, with Jesus. And the reality is, my brothers and sisters, we all, fall into spiritual slumps every now and then.
That's the reality. We all fall into spiritual slumps, particularly the longer you've been serving uh, the Lord. And the, the problem is we try to fake that we're not in a slump. I remember one time I was in a slump, and I wasn't, I wasn't uh, getting up early and praying as I should. I wasn't really studying the Bible as I should. Really wasn't doing no spiritual disciplines as I should, and I was in a slump. And you know, if there's one person who knows when you're faking, it's your spouse. Because they know your patterns. They know when you wake up. They know when you go to sleep. If there's one person who knows you're faking, it's your spouse. And so I was in this slump one time. I wasn't reading as I should. I wasn't praying as I should. And it was time for Thursday night Bible study right here in the sanctuary. And uh, I, was, I was called to teach on prayer. And I didn't even get ready. I didn't get ready. I just wrote down a couple notes. I got up here, and I started teaching on prayer. And by the grace and mercy of God, the Holy Spirit hit, and the power of God began to manifest. And, and I was flowing. I was, like, flowing in the Word, and I was teaching the Word. And everybody with the crowd, was they were, they were eating it up. They were, like, on the edge of their, edge of their seat because the power of God had hit. And I'm looking out in the crowd. Everybody's anxious for the Word except one person. I looked on that front row, and there was my wife with her hands crossed. And she was looking at me like, you are faking it. You ain't been praying. And I did what every wise husband did. I just ignored her and started preaching to this area right here. That's why I like we got sections right here. I could turn to this section. I could turn to this. I could turn to that section. I could turn to that. I could turn to that section. You see, the longer you serve the Lord, the easier it is to fake a strong relationship with God. And that's why God comes against the spirit of religion so tough. Also, as I begin to close, the Lord comes against the spirit of religion so tough because you cannot discern for yourself that you have slipped into the spirit of religion. In fact, I would suggest to you that the spirit of religion is one of the elite demons that the devil sends out into this world because it's hard to detect. It looks the same as vibrant Christianity. It looks the same. That's why in the Old Testament, God rebuked them for bringing out wild grapes. It looks the same. And you cannot self-diagnose yourself. This guy thought he was okay. He thought he was okay. He said, Jesus, I've been doing this since I was a little kid. He thought he was okay, yet he was so far away. You can't, you can't, you can't self-diagnose yourself. That's why this thing is so serious. Have you ever worked with somebody or served with somebody that had bad breath and they didn't know it? Come on now. Have you ever served with somebody or worked with somebody who had bad breath and they didn't even know it? How in the world can your nose be directly over your mouth and you don't even know you got bad breath? It's the same with the spirit of religion. You don't know yourself when you have crossed over from relationship to religion. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. That's why we need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. That's why we need to pray 
uh, dangerous prayers. Lord, examine my heart. Lord, examine my heart. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, reveal to me what's in my life that should not be there. That's why we need to be in small groups. That's why we need accountability because you, need, you may need somebody like Jesus who will love you but tell you the truth. You may need somebody right now like Jesus who will tell you you got bad breath. Jesus loved them but told them the truth. So my, my prayer is that we start praying more dangerous prayers. Lord, cleanse our heart. Reveal to us if there's anything that does not belong in our heart. I want you to be all in this year. I want you to be all in. I want you to, I want you to be all in for the Lord. Jesus taught us and he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's what it means to be all in. That's what it means to be all in. And may we, may we go into this year all in for Jesus. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Hallelujah. We want to take a time up where we reflect upon the word of the Lord. Where we bow our hearts and we pause for a second. And let us ask the question, Lord, what were you trying to tell me today? What were you trying to get across to me today? With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's reflect upon the word of the Lord. If you read him in the Gospels, you don't hear about him anymore. My question is, what happened to him? In the book of Malachi, verse three, chapter 3, verse 10 says this. Most of you are already familiar with this verse. 
It says, bring all the tithe, the whole tenth of your income into the storehouse, that there may be food. See, most of you right now this morning ate a full plate of God's word. Some of us are contemplating, was he talking about me? He's talking about all of us. All of us. That there may be food in my house and prove me now by it, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing that there shall not be enough room to receive it. The Word of God always encourages us to give to God what belongs to God. Listen, you belong to God. He's given everything to you. Everything. Sometimes we may struggle, we may have challenges, but honestly, by the raising of your hand, we lack nothing. Nothing. We don't lack anything. God always provides for His people. Always. In saying that, we make it available for you to give by debit card or by envelope that's on the back of your seat. Both of those are able to be given in the lobby. There is a tithing box there as well for you to be able to give. Or you can give chapelofchange.org. You can give online as well. Most of our family does. Or we can text to give to the number that is on your screen, 1-888-364-4483, text CHAPEL. As I give some announcements today, we have baptisms at 1230 service today. Come on, praise the Lord for the people that have made that commitment to be baptized, to take that next step in the relationship with God. I don't think it's too late if you choose to get baptized. It's not too late. For those of you that are being baptized, if you can please see Pastor Benny. We are having a baptism class, so you can see Pastor Benny in the lobby after the 1230, uh, after this service. We have our women's abide. Women. Come on, women, you can do better than that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You ladies are screaming like there's a free lunch coming with it. There is. Amen. Women who are all in for Jesus. That'll be this coming Saturday here in the our Paramount campus. It'll be from 9 to 12. So if you haven't signed up, women, please see Pastor Sandy. She'll make herself available for you. Amen. And as we prepare our hearts as we give this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy, God, that you continue to provide for each and every one of us. For this, we give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. As it is custom, do me a favor, stand to your feet. It is a custom here at Chapel of Change to bless you out. How many of you need a blessing? See, I need more than just a blessing. I need my relationship with God to continue to grow stronger and stronger 
and stronger. I don't just want to ask, tell God what I need. I'm asking God, what do you need from me, Lord? What do you want me to do? What are the things I need to change in my own personal life to make the necessary adjustments to allow my relationship with you to get stronger and stronger as you open your hands in a receiving posture and as our pastors come to the front for those of you that may need prayer, additional prayer, we're here available for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessing for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for your blessing because of what Jesus did on the cross for each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit that continues to lead and guide us in truth and in righteousness. Bless your people. Protect them and guard them in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here with us. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.